Good morning. Good morning. It's a joy to be here with you. I'm so thankful for this weekend of getting to invest and speak with your youth and to help participate in the youth forum of this event of youth from around Alaska and the churches of Christ throughout the state coming together to fellowship and us to take time to invest in them and for y'all to host the the event that y'all have been a part of and helped hosting for almost, where's the furthest one back? Is it half a century? When's the first one? Is it over here? What year is that one? I don't see a year on it. It's like the, it's been a long time. And that's a really an amazing testimony to the commitment of this congregation to invest in future generations. And it's a, it's a joy to participate in it and to be helped staffed by families here, hosted by families here and, and, and people from other congregations around the state working together and our adventure and mission students helping us um, with it as well. And it's just been a, a thrill and a blessing this, this weekend. Our lesson this morning is the theme of this year's Youth Forum, and that is the journey of inspiration. And the looking at what is motivating us to live this life. What's causing us to take the next step? How are we making decisions? And us to, to take inventory of why do we do the things that we do? And what's the purpose of this life? In case you didn't know, my name's Mike Katkiss. I'm a minister with the Valley Church of Christ uh, over in Wasilla. And uh, before I was a minister uh, here in Alaska, I did mission work in South Africa for a few years. And, and while I was in South Africa working with other missionaries there, I, I learned something I will never forget. I learned that there's this method of catching baboons where they use this plastic ball that's about this big, and it has a hole in it, and inside it, that's about this big around, and inside this ball, they will put peanuts, some berries, some other just nuts of various sorts, and what will happen to catch these large baboons, some of them are almost as big as I am and are ferocious, and the males have canine teeth bigger than lions, the way they catch these, these baboons with these traps is a baboon will stick its hand inside this ball and it can get its hand in to reach in and then it will grab grab those peanuts and things in there and but because it makes a fist it then can't get its hand out of this trap and if it would just open its hand and let go it would get its hand out but because it makes a fist and it won't let go it's then stuck and you can walk right up to it, clobber it over the head, or whatever way you want to get rid of it. It's just helpless because it won't let go of these little tiny things that are so small. I will never forget that because I see so many similarities in my own life and in humanity where we have this attitude of, I just want these this one thing and I don't want to let go of it that spiritually how deadly that is to our own souls. When we start thinking, I just want this one thing. I want this one job. I want this one place in my life. I want this one person in my life. I want this certain kind of of health and experience. And you start wanting to hang on to something in this life. You actually end up losing everything. 
Jesus teaches this idea of whoever will, will be finding his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will will find it. And it's this idea is the foundation of this weekend with our youth, and it's a question for all of us of what are we trying to find in this life? What are we trying to hang on to? Are we trying to have a life that we're trying to accumulate these things for, for us, or are we willing to let go of things of this life and receive something from somewhere not from this world, from something above? And it's that spirit of what are we thinking, what are we doing with our lives, reflecting on that and making sure that there's the right kind of spirit within us as we're walking on this journey of this life. So how are you thinking is the opening question of this lesson. Are we thinking like animals trying to accumulate just trivial things? Or are we thinking about heavenly things, things bigger than just our immediate circumstances? And that's something we're wanting to talk about with the youth. That's something I want to talk about with all of us. So how are we thinking? Are we thinking like animals or are we thinking like the people God created us to be? We're going to be looking at James chapter 3. If you have your Bibles or if you have the app on your phone, let's go over to the book of James and we're going to look at this passage starting in verse 13. It's going to be our core passage for this morning's lesson. And this was our opening passage for the youth this weekend. So we're going to be looking at this idea of, of wisdom. And so verse 13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So first I want us to define wisdom. Wisdom and knowledge are two different things. Knowledge is information and details, where wisdom is the application of knowledge. You have, I imagine most of you, have been going to church for some time. And I want you to think about how much information have you acquired over your lifetime about the Bible. And if you were to put a number, how many sermons, devos, classes, youth forums have you participated in and heard? How much information have you received versus how much do we apply this information. I have a pretty active imagination, and I sometimes think if I was to be able to sit next to a Christian from the first century, you know, 1900 years ago, and me and this Christian had a conversation, and this Christian found out that I have a library of all of the Old Testament and all of the letters from the apostles in my language, and I can read and write, and I have these 66 books of of inspired writing, of scripture, of God's word, and I have it all. It's my own personal collection of all of the teachings that God has given. What do you think that first century Christian would think about what my life should look like? I take for granted this wealth of information 
available to me. I have, I have don't even know how many copies of the Bible I have. I know how, and having on my phone, I have such a excess of, of information available to me. But that information is not wisdom. Wisdom is the application of this knowledge. You and I have more knowledge than any human before us. We have access to so much information, but that information is not wisdom. And what we're reading about here in James is that by our conduct and our works, we should show our wisdom with with meekness. And so many of us here have heard much. We have learned much about the Bible, but what's important is what are we doing with that information? Just knowing where something at doesn't mean that you're going there. We're on this journey of inspiration where we should be taking steps in this life towards something. And what's causing us to take those steps? And that is our goal this morning, is making sure that we're thinking, we're, we're stepping the right direction the way God wants us to, and not perhaps what we've become comfortable to or what the world finds acceptable, but making sure that we're on the path that God has intended for us to go. So now verse 14 in chapter 3 of James. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. So here we have a call to be honest. To to not pretend that we that we are wanting to follow God if we're not actually wanting to follow God. Where if we're going to talk about bitter jealousy and selfish ambition a lot here in a moment, but basically this is a call to be real. Because it's very easy to wear a mask. It's very easy to go through the motions. It's very easy to really to have a good reputation by other people. But if you are not, if you are not connected to truth, don't pretend that you are. And that's better than pretending that you are. Because at least you're now being honest. That like, I don't want to follow God. I don't want to follow Jesus. If you, if you don't want to follow Jesus, don't pretend like you're following Jesus. And just be honest, because now you're actually working with something that's real. And there's, um, that's, that's a better place to be than playing pretend and living a, a, a hypocritical, double standard life. So from there, talking about this, this bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, we're gonna see just how, what a life that's focused about self, like the baboon and the trap, we're gonna see just how bad that type of life is. Verse 15 says, This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and listen to this last word, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Demonic is a very strong word. There's a lot of things that come to my mind when I think of something being demonic. You know, some horror film or, you know, demon summoning or, you know, bleach skin and black nails and it's just, you know, it's something just malevolent and monstrous. And what's described here as demonic is a life that is focused about self. Did you catch that? 
That a life that is full of selfish ambition and bitter jealousy. When you're looking at other people and you covet what they want, when you're trying to get as much for yourself and life is self-centered, that's not just bad. That's not just inconsiderate. That's not just mean. That is demonic. As a demonic mentality, a life that is self-focused. You know, I don't mean to, to, um, how do I say this? Bring up past problems. But I remember growing up as a child, different issues or different movies or different, uh, TV shows being really focused in on as saying this is a demonic show because it has this, that, or whatever in it. Sure, there's lots of different unchristlike things demonstrated in different shows and media. That's not my point. But I don't remember hearing growing up is that selfishness is demonic. And making sure if we're going to call something bad, we know what bad is as God defines it. And we see here that a selfish ambition, bitter jealousy is devilish. It is demonic. So making sure we know what we're up against, what we're battling, and what we're supposed to be wrestling against, and it's pride, if we wanted to put it into one word. And what we'd also read here, just how bad pride is, we see here that where it is, there is disorder and every vile practice. So where bitter jealousy, where selfish ambition exists, where there's pride, Every single evil thing is going to come from that. That's a lot of evil things. Every vile practice. Pride is the sewage pipe in which all other filth flows out from. That's how horrible this attribute is. And something for us to be very sensitive to. Where if we're starting to have a life that's self-focused where we're starting to compare ourselves to others and we're having a clenched fist and gritted teeth and wanting to, to get above them or push them down, that is opening a gateway to everything evil. And so starting for us to kind of recalibrate how we're looking at the world, more importantly how we're looking in the mirror with what's going on in here, is what's motivating our steps? What journey are we on? What direction are we going on? And having a self-centered life is the worst kind of life. It's actually not life. It's just a straightway cliff or towards a cliff to to death. So having a, a selfish ambition, bitter jealousy, is not the path God has in store for us. It is not wisdom that comes from above. It's earthly wisdom. So now we're going to look at what wisdom is supposed to look like. What's a right-mindedness? What does God have in store for us? Let's look at verse 14 here in chapter 3. Sorry, verse 15. 16. Do I hear 17? (laughs) We're at verse 17. But wisdom from above is first pure. Okay, so the application of knowledge that comes from heaven is first pure pure. Let's just think about that for a moment. Purity is a very important element to this. Something because purity means that there's there's no compromising in it. It is something that is legitimate and complete. There's not a mixture of there's not a ratio that's 
mostly good with some bad. A running joke for our weekend this time is uh, is we've been eating Cocoa Puffs for breakfast in the morning. And I see these guys smiling because they know where I'm going with this. Um, we've been eating Cocoa Puffs in the morning. And, you know, if you have a 100 Cocoa Puffs in your bowl for breakfast, but if one of those Cocoa Puffs was, you know, a rabbit dropping, something that came from a bunny, you know, 99% of this is still Cocoa Puffs. But now just 1% is not pure. What do you think about that bowl of Cocoa Puffs? You're like, I don't want that. And we take for granted how pure God's wisdom is and how pure the things God gives us are, that it's totally pure. Can you imagine trying to read this or pray to God knowing that he's mostly good but there's some bad in him? I mean, we take for granted, we've gotten perhaps so comfortable and casual and, and almost flippant with just what a blessing having something pure from God is, that there's nothing evil in this. Like, there's nothing unreliable in this. It is totally good and, and true. And you can trust that, that that is solid. There's no cracks, there's no corruption, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing irrelevant about it, that it is all good. There's nothing that's snuck in from the outside that's not supposed to be there. There's nothing else like that. And so having that trust in God's word and that when he's helping us learn how to think, that wisdom from him is 100% good. And that is very comfortable because that's not something from this world. That's why it's from above. And that's an exciting element to having this wisdom from God. It's something that's pure. Next we see here in verse 17 that it's peaceable. So peace in scripture is synonymous with like completed or wholeness. And so wisdom from above being peaceable is that it's, it's completing. We're looking to have things restored and, and made right. And this wisdom is helping us be completed with Christ. We're trying to help other people completed. It's like love hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things. It's this idea of we're looking for things to be whole. That's the goal of this, of this wisdom is completeness. Next we have, as an element of this wisdom from above, is gentle. Gentle is a really important element to this too. You see, gentle, we talked about like an ant, how an ant isn't gentle. Just because it can't really hurt you, it's so small, doesn't mean that it's a gentle creature. You can look at it, try to bite you, like a daddy long leg or some other bug where you're holding it and and just because it can't hurt you doesn't mean it's a gentle creature. It would probably hurt you if it could. And gentleness is you have this ability, you have power, but it's this power that's intentionally being demonstrated in a way with care in mind. And this Greek word for gentle is the, the idea behind it is it's like holding a baby bird. It's like, I could harm this thing if I want, but I'm going to approach it intentionally with its care in mind. And that's what this gentleness is. And that's how God approaches us, that wisdom from above is is gentle. Because you think about the raging, unapproachable light of God that you can't, like, angels can't even look at him. He's so holy, and he's interacting with us and coming to dwell within us. And do you think God could could harm us if he wanted to? 
and how careful God is in interacting with us, how in, in how thorough He is, and wanting to make sure we have a good connection. That He is He's gentle with us. He's not this raging storm that we have to endure His presence, uh, but He is gentle in His approach to us. And then we also extend that out to other people. So after gentle, we see here in verse uh, verse seventeen one that I find so relevant in today and ministering in the church, we see he's open to reason. I love this one. I love this one so much. Having the ability to continue to learn, to be teachable. If you have everything figured out and memorized, understood, and completely comprehended in this book, please raise your hand. <laughs> None of us can raise our hand to know, like, I have this all figured out. Just say, I saw you wanted to raise your hand. I believe you. So, um, that we don't have this all figured out. We're still learning, and that's an exciting thing. That's a good thing, that we're open to reason. But once we start thinking, I got this. I got this figured out. We're no longer open open to reason. C.S. Lewis talked about in the Screwtape Letters, which is a very interesting book. It's a fictional book uh, from the perspective of, of demons trying to tempt humans. And in that, in that allegory, he talks about how demons love flippancy, where humans stop thinking about something, where they're just quick to disregard new or challenging information. And it's like what Jesus talks about, he who has an ear, let him hear. And to be flippant is just, you just stop hearing, and you get stuck in something. A mentor of mine once said, a rut is just a grave with two sides knocked out. So when you get stuck in something that you're no longer open to reason, being I need to learn, I need to, I need to, I need to grow. And if someone approaches you, if you're reading God's word and you read something that contradicts what you believe, somebody's wrong, and it's not God. And so being open to reason is to let the Lord continue to teach you, to prune you, to discipline you, and for you to be molded into what He wants you to be, and all that comes from a wisdom from above that is open to reason of I am a disciple, I am a student, I am a child, and I want to continue that relationship of being molded by him. When you give that up, that's no longer wisdom from above. When you think that you have arrived, you have now lost. So the next one, the next attribute of wisdom that comes from above is full of mercy and good fruits. When I was in South Africa, there is a proverb or like a metaphor that uh, the South Africans would talk about. And you see, in, in South Africa and many other African countries, primarily women would carry the large baskets on their heads and be able to walk for miles. It was so impressive what they were able to, to carry and do, balancing these large baskets on their heads. And this proverb this idea that they would share is that everybody has an invisible basket on their head. And in that basket is the contents of their heart. And you can't tell what's in somebody's heart just by looking at them, just like you can't tell what's in somebody's basket just by looking at uh, looking at them. But once they get pushed over, or if they trip, that basket's going to spill, and it's in that moment you're going to see what's inside that basket. So when someone's tested or or they're stumbled or they're challenged or they're hurting, 
that's when that basket tips over. And you look at Jesus, you look at someone who's the exact image, the exact nature of God, who is God himself, you look at him on the way to the cross, the most innocent, the most powerful, the most righteous person ever, being unjustly murdered. And what comes out of his bucket? You look at Luke twenty three thirty four, and Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You see what's in, you see that this wisdom he has is full of mercy. That when circumstances push you over, that the thing that comes spilling out from you is mercy. It's already, it's already loaded up, ready to be poured out on people. It's, it's there to be, to overflow out from your life. I got to work at a foster camp for, for a week and, few years ago and working with these young kids that you know nine or ten year olds and and I had to go through some training for that and and it was really good training and one of the elements of the training was to be prepared by the end of the camp your kids are going to try to get you to hate them and the reason why is a defense mechanism of if they can get you to hate them it makes disconnecting easier because it makes it feel like you're they're not wanted and so it makes the transition and separation for them um, more bearable. And so they're going to try to get you to not like them. So to, to be prepared for that, we make the decision beforehand, no matter how they treat us, we're going to love them. And they can do whatever they want. We're going to be ready, and we're going to show them truly unconditional love. And that has helped me so much. Because, well, first of all, during the camp, sure enough, one of my boys, second to last day, just looks up at me and says, Mike? I said, yes. I'm going to be really bad today. <laughs> thank, thank you for the heads up. And he was. He was rough that day. Uh, but we had already made the choice, I'm going to love you no matter what you do. And that's exactly that type of, of unconditional love Jesus shows, that regardless of how we treated him, he still loves us. While we were enemies with him, with God, Christ died for us. And this idea of wisdom being full of mercy is that we make the decision beforehand, regardless how people are going to treat us, we're going to pour out mercy on people. We're not just going to react to the world around us. We're going to act a certain way. Where we've already piled up all this mercy. God has been merciful to us. We're going to dump that out on the world around us. And if they push us over, that's what's going to get dumped out because that's exactly what Jesus did. And also, there's good fruit that's in this basket. In addition to mercy, is that this wisdom from above is going to produce good things. The next attribute here about wisdom from above is impartial. And that this this life is about, we're rooting for everybody. We're not just looking for one group of people, or one country, or any tribe of humanity to have more success than others. We're looking for all of mankind to have right standing with God. We are, we share this planet together and God has redeemed all and is looking to all men to be saved and come to this and come to the knowledge of the truth. And we should share that where we don't have partiality amongst, uh, amongst each other. And also here we see that we're supposed to have a, a wisdom from above is, is sincere. And I think it's this one, sincerity, 
that the world is most hungry for, is most looking for. Uh, people don't care about what you know until they know about how much you care. And have you ever become routine in your faith where things have become casual, mundane, tradition? We've just always done it this way. And we sometimes forget the significance and the gravity of what we get to do. God of the universe, perfect and all-powerful, has chosen you to have right standing with him, and he's so committed to this, he's willing to send his only son who he loves, who's perfect, to die for you and for all of mankind so that he can live with you, he can live within you, that he can give you the family of the church, that he can prepare a place for you in heaven to be with him forever, and that for us to become what we're designed to be, if that doesn't, if that's just tradition to you, if that's just one day of the week routine, if that's just anything other than our whole purpose and what we are designed for, then we've really missed something. And this faith, this thing that we believe, the thing we have received from God, this wisdom is, is sincere. Like this is real. It's either real or it's not. Christianity is either of no importance or it's of the most importance. It cannot be of moderate importance. It's either all lie or this is the most important thing that could ever have happened. Someone once told me if there was ever a group of people in human history that had a reason to sing, it's Christians. Think about it. You are redeemed in Christ Heaven is something open to us and a place that we're designed to go to. If that doesn't cause you to have some sincerity in what we do, something has gone horribly wrong. And so for our youth and for all of us here to have a sincerity is that there's an inspiration, there's a motivation behind what we do. We're not doing things because of tradition. At least we're not supposed to. We're not doing things because, well, we were raised this way. Or we're not just doing things because I'm just afraid of what other people think of me. Or I'm afraid to lose something or someone. Whereas the motivation behind this is a sincerity of, like, this is real. This, is, this, this isn't just what my family believes. This is what I believe. And for that to be something as an individual we're to hang on to is this wisdom from above. In verse 18... Here now, in conclusion of this passage, there's a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And the idea of a harvest is there's a harvest is not a small amount. Anyone ever worked on a farm before? Anybody? A handful of y'all? Okay, harvest time is not like picking a tomato out of your garden. Like harvest time usually is like this is a large crop. I got to work on some cotton farms for a few years in Lubbock and in, in Texas, and it's. When you're harvesting, this, there's a lot being gathered in. And then we're seeing here, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And that, this journey of inspiration, this journey that God has put us on, has a big effect on the world. Like God has invested and trusted us in being his body, being his instruments, being the conduit in which his light gets shown through the world. That's a big deal. That's a big impact on this planet. 
on civilization. And when we are looking to make peace, we're trying to help things be whole, the way they think God designed them to be, there's this harvest of right standing with God, a huge amount of right standing with God that happens when we have an attitude, I want to sow wholeness. I want to help things be be right, be complete, be the way God designed them to be. And that should be our motivation for what we do. We're not just content with just occupying a seat on this chair in this room. We're looking to help make things whole as God has designed them to be. And that covers every single part of our life and other people's lives too. So in conclusion, I want us to read a a few verses out of Proverbs, which I think sums all this up quite well. So let's go to Proverbs 3. Many of you probably have this passage memorized. But let's go to Proverbs 3 and look at the snapshot of this of this lesson. Proverbs 3, and we're going to read verses um, 5 down to verse 8. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, not just some of them, not just most of them, in all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. And I call this to our attention because this journey of inspiration, this journey that we're on with God, it encompasses your whole life. If you're loving the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, there's nothing of you that's outside of that. That is a big umbrella. Your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. That's all of you. You're to acknowledge Him in all your ways. Your relationships, your work, your finances, your health. If you are alive, it's supposed to be acknowledging God. Every part of you is to be acknowledging Him. And when we do that, when we trust Him with that, He says He's going to make your path straight. This journey that we're on is not just this broad plane out for you to wander around in any direction just looking to discover something. But God has a path He's going to make straight for you. He's going to take you somewhere. He's going to take you to Him. These paths, God's interacting with us and guiding our lives or leading our lives straight to him. And this wisdom we have is not something that comes from us. It comes from God. We're not supposed to be wise in our own eyes. We're supposed to be wise from a wisdom he has. It's a wisdom Christ has revealed and shown in himself that we share and we imitate. And that when we have that wisdom, as we see in verse 8, there's this healing to our flesh, there is this refreshment to your bones, and it's not that you're physically going to get stronger from having a more sincere faith, it's that these bones, it's like the most core part of you is going to be refreshed, and it's going to be what it's supposed to be. Have you guys ever been really sick before, and then you've come through it, and then you're refreshed and restored, and you're healthy again, and you're just like, man, I am so much more thankful for this health that I was, I had lost for a little bit. It really changes your perspectives on some things. God is giving us a spiritual health. He's giving us a, a 
a path to walk that leads to him and something we get to share with the world around us. So I'm excited for this last weekend. I'm excited to have gotten to invest in the youth alongside um, some other men and people to, to minister to them. And our challenge today that we see from Scripture is to not be like an animal like this baboon, where we're just trying to hang on to these little things of life, where I just want these these things here on earth, but that we let those things go. And we look for what God has given, and that's what we're open to. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, that there's a freedom in Christ that the world doesn't have. We're not stuck trying to hang on to these things that are so small and temporary, but we receive from God a wisdom that's an inspiration for how we live. And that is what I want to have more of. I want to encourage and challenge you to pursue and to not have an earthly, self-centered, demonic thinking, but to have wisdom that is like from Christ and is the character and heart of Christ that is going to inspire not only the way you live, but it's going to be a message to the world that there is a path that this world doesn't provide. And it comes from Christ. And that's an exciting journey. That Christianity is not a set of boundaries to protect you from bad things. To give you a more comfortable, sheltered life. But that Christianity is real life. And it comes from Christ. And it goes on forever. We talked about in class here an hour ago that this life is like the title on a story, like on a book, in which each chapter is better than the one before it, and it's a never-ending story. So what we have in Christ, this journey we're on, it goes on forever. And it is exciting, and each step is, is more fulfilling, is better than the one before it. And that's something we have received from Christ and we get to invite the world into and it is an adventure unlike any other. So the the reason we're here this morning is Christ has invited us into a journey with him. I think of in Hebrews where Christ, where it's talking of Christ says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Where Jesus could look ahead and he could see there's something worth moving towards in this journey. We take up our cross and follow him, or we're on this journey with him, and it's going to go on forever, and it's only ever going to get better with him. That's this eternal life with a God who loves us and is completely good. So I hope you are inspired by who Jesus is and what he's done with you. And if you're not inspired by that, then be open with that and say, I don't want that. So let's be Regardless of which path you choose, be honest with path, which, with whatever path you're choosing. I'm excited for the youth as they're getting older to start making those decisions. And I want all of us to be able to make the decision of what path are you on? Where's your journey? Are you taking a path that this world provides, which are many? Are you taking the one path into eternal life that is with Christ? He says, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. And there is a path to God with Christ, through Christ, in Christ. 
And it is an inspiring journey. I hope that it motivates you to be the people, the person God has called you to be. He's with you. He's guiding you if you want to follow him. If there's anyone here who has not decided to follow Christ and would like to this morning, I know that the, the, uh, the leaders of this congregation would love to help you with that and, uh, and to, to all of us to go together on this journey with God into heaven forever. One last closing statement sharing uh, another thought that our brothers and sisters in Africa shared with me. They said, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And in this journey, just looking in this room over the last few years, working with some of y'all at a camp, other events, other things going on through Alaska, uh, there is, this is a, a good place of fellowship. This is a, this is a family of God. And don't, you don't have to go on this journey by yourself. Christ is with you always. His body is here with you in the church. And God has given us everything we need to go on this journey and to, and to, and to make it. He wants you to succeed. God wants to save you more than you want to be saved. And he is so committed. He's committed this much with a nail in each hand and one through both feet. He's all in on this journey being successful. And it takes us to raise our hand and say, sign me up. Here am I. Send me. I'll go with you. I'll trust you in, in everything. You were made for this. You were designed for this. You can be free to reject it. You're also free to choose it. And if you choose it, it's a never-ending story in which every chapter is better than the one before it. If there's any needs here this morning, if there's anyone that has not begun this journey that would like to, please come forward while we stand and sing this next song.